In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Peter Damien is the author of the Book of Gomorrah, which you should read if you have not already. You can buy it on um, Kindle, or uh, you can buy an actual physical book that gets sent to you in a physical cardboard box. Um, and um, his um, account um, from the 12th century offers us a great deal to consider about how long um, the church has been fighting this plague uh, and how there are popes who um, respond to wisdom and good counsel. And, um, and this isn't going away easily. Uh, if it ever has gone away. So we just continue to pray and realize that this is, um, this is one of our uh, ways of living out the gospel, the weeds and the wheat, and becoming holy in the process. Uh, in a very particular way, as we consider the vineyard and the workers, um, the weeds and the wheat are easily on our mind. Um, but in this uh, collection of, of readings with 1 Corinthians 9 about running the race and Matthew 20 about the vineyard workers being paid the same regardless of their hours worked, uh, I'd like to offer this meditation Probably many of us, maybe most of us, think of holiness as a way of life to live, as a set of standards by which we abide the life of perfection, um, the life of, maybe some people dumb it down so much to say, the life of not committing a sin. As soon as we put it in those words, we know that we haven't, um, we've missed the mark. And, uh, and regardless of how we would define it, if we even define it, many of us, at least some of us, many of us, exert a great deal of energy in order to live that life. And you can tell by my tone of voice that I'm about to offer... Um, contrary statement. Not that this life isn't worth that kind of effort, but our effort is probably being directed towards the wrong activity. Growing up, I was not um, I was not a fan of ballet when I was growing up. I know it's going to come as a huge shock to you. I apologize for disappointing you. Um, uh, one exception, uh, or the first thing that sort of challenged that was watching West Side Story, um, which you know people die in that, so that's cool. Um, and there was some dancing, and it wasn't 
you know, wasn't wasn't uncool to think that the dancing was all right, but still, that was contained. As an adult, watching the Nutcracker was very uh, lovely, right? I even saw it in Moscow, but from such a high balcony that it was just like little white dots bouncing around. And then, it must have been about eight years ago, it was, it was sometime, maybe a year before I came here to McLean from New York City, and a, a friend invited me to the Met to watch a ballet. I don't know which ballet it was. It wasn't a, you know, a modern athletic ballet, it was something classical. Um, and I, I, was, I was blown away by the, um, by the strength and the, um, uh, by the beauty of it. Um, it was quite, um, quite similar to going to a hockey game where, I'm serious, where if you're, if you're at some distance, it, it looks interesting, right? When you're close enough to see what they are actually doing, it is superhuman. It is phenomenal. It is impossible to duplicate. It defies explanation. Right? It's, it's like watching golf on TV and then going to Robert Trent Jones and watching the practice round for the President's Cup and watching what they do with mechanical precision and accuracy and repetition to that little white ball. It's, it's unbelievable. Once you're that close to seeing what someone does, to see how um, ridiculous it is, then you realize my being able to do that isn't simply a matter of watching it and saying, okay, I'm just going to imitate what they do. I'm going to, you know, whether it be, you know, strapping on hockey skates or, or toe shoes or golf cleats, you don't, you won't be able to do what they do by simply seeing what they do and trying to duplicate it. Because there are so many, so many movements, so many skills, so many, so many muscles that you don't even have yet that go into being able to do that. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians uses the example of the runner, right? You run. Running seems to be a natural activity. It's universal, right? Everyone runs to church or to school or to the mailbox or away from the neighbor's dog. Everyone can run. Very few of us actually know how to run. And almost none of us know how to run a long distance, let alone a marathon. And you won't be able to run a marathon by seeing a marathon runner and saying from, you know, from zero, I'm going to try to do that, right? You will break yourself. Likewise, the life of holiness, described probably most um, beautifully in the Beatitudes. If we read the Beatitudes and think, yeah, I'm going to do that. You won't be able to. Even more so because we are talking about something actually supernatural, not just superhuman. And it is the work of grace in you. 
It is grace that makes you holy, grace that sanctifies you, that prepares you for the indwelling of the Holy Trinity. So instead of expending great energy trying to duplicate that life of holiness described in the Beatitudes or the life of Christ, we should expend our energy doing the things that make it possible for that life to happen. Right? We expend great energy not letting those words fly out of your mouth. Right? Or not, you know, clicking that mouse. When we should have actually spent a great deal of energy earlier in the day training our mind and our heart to be directed towards what's good. Then we're not ending up trying to make that superhuman effort not to fall. But even, even, forget about not committing mortal sin, right? Let's back up. Even just in terms of being good. Just by virtue of of our effort doesn't mean that we'll be able to avoid failing to be good. Just because of our natural effort doesn't mean we'll be able to be good. By your natural effort, endowed as you are by your creator, having been made an image and likeness and benefiting from the ordinary helps of the Holy Spirit, sure, you can do some good things and you can generally avoid bad things, probably because of fear more than anything else. But we won't get anywhere close to being good just by our natural effort. So where should we spend our our energy? in pursuing the prayer life that makes possible for God to transform us with his grace. And then continuing to follow through the rest of the day, making time to pray from uh, opportunity to opportunity, and then continuing to prolong the presence of God. It's God It's God who accomplishes holiness. It's God in you who sanctifies you. It's, it's, it's the presence of, of Christ that keeps evil away. The reward is the same. The reward is the, is the, is the life of Christ in us and heaven. That's the goal. It's worth then revisiting that instead of just defining it, identifying it as a goal. Is that, is that really my goal? Is it my goal to be holy? I was on a retreat this past week. That's why you didn't see me Monday evening or other days if you were here. And a thought came to me that you will hear probably many times. Many of us want to live a disease-free life, but very few of us want to live a healthy life. And similarly, many of us want to live free of evil, but very few of us want to live 
holiness. Right, so people don't want to live a healthy life, but they want to avoid disease, so they have medicine and technology to try to make it easy or make it possible when they aren't even really trying themselves to do what they can. Even more ridiculous is wanting to be free of evil, but not wanting to be holy. Right. That sounds like aiming for the, the bottom rung of purgatory, which doesn't leave a large margin of error. But that's not the worst of it. Consider how we're forming our will. Right? That person will have spent a lifetime thinking, I don't want to be holy, I want to be just good enough. And when faced with the prospect of, do you want to be holy or not, they've, they've spent a lifetime forming their will to not want to be holy. How do you all of a sudden want to be holy? How do you all of a sudden want to open your, your heart and your soul to, to transforming grace? If you don't want to be holy, you don't want to be holy. If purgatory could last forever, it would be a fitting, uh, fitting end. But God's mercy overcomes that. We eventually do acquiesce. We actually do eventually want to become holy. We, we actually do will the means to what we ultimately desire, which is heaven, But you can't desire heaven without desiring being holy. I think a lot of us are in that predicament. And when you put it in those words, it sounds really silly. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is, okay, Lord, I need to, I need to desire holiness. I, I might fall short every few minutes um, by way of omission, you know, and I may fall short in more serious ways from time to time, but I do actually desire holiness and I desire what it takes to, for that to happen, right? I don't, it's not that I'm desiring to do all the work because I could do all the work in the world and I'd never become holy. So what I'm desiring is to allow you to make me holy. I desire to spend the time in prayer with you so that your grace can make me holy. It's hard to find a spiritual author who doesn't prescribe a minimum of 15 minutes a day for any person, regardless of their state in life. That could equate to a very slow rosary where you're not really focusing on the words, you're really just with our Lord, you're just meditating on them. Um, rosary prayed differently could be just vocal prayer instead of mental prayer, of course. But that's sort of that's that's mental prayer with training wheels. If you want the, the easy way in, just a slow. It's it can seem lazy, but just a slow, gentle rosary. That's that's the start. But if, if I don't will the means 
then I, um, my desire for the end suffers. Can't say it's gone, but it, it's weak. So we ask you, Lord, to teach us what it means to run and persevere, to not lose hope, never to lose hope, regardless of how hopeless we think we are or how, how hopeless we think things are, to never lose hope in the Holy Spirit that you sent to us. To be patient with your work in us, to be very patient with each other, to understand that conundrum, that fundamental contradiction of wanting something but not wanting it or not wanting what it takes or wanting the effects of something but not wanting the thing itself. Help us to desire heaven. Help us to desire the life of holiness. To desire you now and forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.